This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. We put the post up at uh, 5.55 p.m. on the 13th, and within 20 hours, we had raised $20,000. That's Toba Cooper, a Toronto lawyer and mother of two, whose youngest son, Ethan, was born with a rare genetic disease that affects Ashkenazi Jews at a higher rate than the rest of the world. It's called nemaline myopathy type 2 NEB. It's a form of muscular dystrophy. It's not always fatal, but Ethan, who is 20 months old now, needs round-the-clock care. A machine to help him breathe, a tube for nutrition. He can't walk or talk because his muscles are too weak. There is no cure. Doctors have only known about this form of the disease for about 15 years, and it's so rare, one in 47,000, that Jewish couples who want to become parents aren't even being screened for it in Canada. For years, though, you have been able to get tested for Tay-Sachs syndrome and now for Canavan and Gaucher's and a handful of other diseases, and this has helped greatly reduce the number of babies being born with those diseases today. Toba and her husband did get genetic testing, and it came out fine, so their first son was born with no problems. Ethan is one of maybe four or five other kids in Canada who have what he has. Maybe there are 900 in the whole world. Toba Cooper is looking to help them. She says researchers are working now on a made-in-Canada treatment, and she's on a mission to raise awareness and the money they need to make it happen. You know, Ethan is great the way he is, and we love him exactly as he is. Sorry. (laughs) But we definitely think that his life could be improved by, by the treatment or whatever, you know, magic Dr. Dowling is working on. Um... And to the extent that the community is going to support that, I think they're not only supporting Ethan, but supporting themselves. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, November the 14th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. A few weeks ago, Toba Cooper launched a fundraising campaign through the Muscular Dystrophy Association of Canada. To date, she's raised $88,000, and she's not stopping there. She knows it'll take a million plus. Ethan's doctor at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto is one of the world's foremost experts on the disease, and he has three different treatments in mind to test out in the lab over the next few years in the hope one of them will work well enough to start clinical trials of gene replacement therapy on patients within the next five years. Coming up, we'll chat with Toba and with Dr. Jim Dowling right after this message. Did you know April 2023 is Israel's 75th anniversary? In honor of this huge milestone, UJA Federation of Greater Toronto is planning an epic trip to Israel, and all of Canada is invited. Israel's anniversary, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, is a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Streets are filled with parties, fireworks, music, and dancing. On UJA's Israel 75, you'll get to join the celebration. 75 is not a regular anniversary, and Israel 75 is not your typical trip. You'll get a truly unique experience of the country, no matter how many times you've been before. 
With 10 specialized tracks, you can create an itinerary that is totally personalized, whether you're a foodie, an adrenaline seeker, a TV buff, or politically minded. The best part? You can mix and match tracks on different days. Embark on a thrilling adventure one day and a culinary experience the next. Let your own interests be your guide and experience everything Israel has to offer. To learn more about the trip, visit UJAIsrael75.com. That's UJAIsrael75.com. And joining us now from Toronto are Toba Cooper and Dr. Jim Dowling in Toronto from the Hospital for Sick Children. Welcome both of you to the CJN Daily. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Toba, if, if you wouldn't mind, how did you first become aware of genetic testing as Ashkenazi? Your husband and you were both Ashkenazi Jews. So we tested before we got married. Our panel was negative. We had, we had no issues. Um, so, you know, we had no reason to think otherwise. Uh, when Ethan was born, he wasn't breathing sufficiently on his own. He was in, in respiratory distress um, or maybe even failure because he couldn't sustain his breath without, um, they used CPAP at first to, to try to help him with his breathing. And that was immediate. Like, you know, most mothers get to enjoy that moment where they, you know, babies put on your chest and you get a good like first snuggle. And I didn't, uh, didn't get to have that moment because he was whisked away uh, for, for respiratory support. So we knew right from the beginning that something was going on. He was premature, so we thought, you know, perhaps this was just immature lungs. Um, but as time went on, it became pretty clear he couldn't swallow effectively, he couldn't latch effectively. Um, he had to be fed through a, a nasogastric tube, So, and his breathing never sort of improved, at least not in those early days. And so he would have experiences of, of oxygen desaturations, you know, every five, five to 10 minutes. And so at that point, we had moved Ethan out of, you know, concern that this wasn't just prematurity, that there was something else going on here to sick kids and um, a geneticist at sick kids who ordered a um, whole genome series. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. It got sent off to California, is my understanding. Um, I'll never forget the genetics doctor involved with the case said to me, this is a $10,000 test. So hopefully it'll come back with some answers. And uh, in fact, six, about six weeks later, it came back positive for, for nemelin myopathy. I, as a Jewish parent, uh, as a Jewish bride years ago, got tested for certain diseases, and especially with 25, 30 years ago was Tay-Sachs. That was what we knew. Tell me a bit about this disease, where is it uh, in terms of how common it is? And just sort of start with that, if you wouldn't mind. Um, so the disease is called nemelin myopathy. Um, and there are several different types of nemelin myopathy. And in particular, the type that Ethan has is called nebulin-related nemelin myopathy or, or NEM2, NEM type 2. Um, and uh, you were mentioning the idea of um, specific genetic screen. Uh, screening prior to having children based on you know where you're from and what your ancestry is and uh, it turns out that there is a genetic change in this nebulin gene that is much more common in in ashkenazim than it is in other populations um though it has not historically been on the the uh, preconception screen uh, that has existed for many years of which tay-sachs and canavan disease another one that's that's been on that though it turns out that this uh, specific mutation uh, is not found only in Ashkenazim, but actually found now worldwide. 
Is this something that's so rare? Can you talk about the numbers? So on one hand, we don't have the exact numbers, um, which might be why it contributes a little bit to the lack of knowledge, because I think it's probably more common um, so um, or at least as common. But it may have been that that's potentially a reflection of the the screening that was done for conditions like Tay-Sachs that's resulted in, in uh, that becoming much less prevalent over the years. Yeah, I think it's interesting to, to make a, a bit of a, to note a bit of a difference between like Tay-Sachs, which my understanding is, is, is progressive and deadly as opposed to nemaline myopathy, mm-hmm. which is in a, a range uh, on a spectrum. And yes, life can be very challenging. And I think it's important that if, if this is identified to be common to the Ashkenazi community, that there is an opportunity to screen for it and that people understand enough about it to make a decision that a child born with nemaline myopathy isn't, it's not for naught, like it's still a life worth living. I can give you, I can give you a few uh, like illustrative examples. So Ethan is, Ethan is almost two. And at Ethan's age, his greatest milestone that he's achieved so far is that he can comfortably sit up on his own without assistance. There are some, my understanding is there are some kids with nemaline myopathy that don't reach that milestone. And so they, they require support just to sit. Um, Ethan is not able to bear weight, which means he can't stand on his own. And so you can imagine as a toddler uh, wanting to explore his environment and you know, engage with whatever is in his space. The toy his brother has is usually what he's after. Um, He can't get up and walk over to get what he wants. Uh, Speaking is obviously also impacted. As I described, he can't, you know, close his lips. And then of course, you know, breathing and eating, uh, Ethan can't always do by himself. There are days that he is unwell. He gets a common cold. And this past Monday night, I would say, was the closest we ever got to losing him. He had to be resuscitated in the ER because of a cold. So what I'm hearing about this is that maybe they're not testing for enough, or is it so rare that it wouldn't be worth the the expense? Like, how do you balance that, right? And I'm not saying that Ethan's life isn't worth it. I'm saying from a medical thing, why isn't it on there? So I think, you know, there's two things that uh, are at play. Uh, One is that it is... You know, compared to other of the conditions that have historically been screened is more rare on the and, and number two is that the actual test itself is a little bit um, tricky from a genetic standpoint. Uh, and so um, it may be not and, and historically this specific gene has been a very difficult one to do genetic testing for because it's it's large and complicated, um, though in 2022, there shouldn't be a, a barrier from a testing perspective that wouldn't make it uh, possible uh, as a screening test. And I think it is a really uh, important consideration to think whether this should be something that's added on to that, uh, to that testing. Dr. Dowling, to, I mean, what stage are you at in terms of your research that might, is there a cure? Is there a treatment? Yeah, you know, I think cure is always something that I try to hesitate away from. I mean, that's obviously the ultimate goal. Um, put a timeline in something is also very challenging. I mean, there's a very long history of, of drugs looking promising in the before they've reached the clinic and then kind of fizzling out. Um, and uh, because there have been no previous therapies for nemaline myopathy, there's the unknown of, of how you would identify a therapy that would be effective in patients and what that would look like and how you would measure it and then you know how much of an impact that would have 
uh, on the existing, you know, the muscles that have existed with neuromyopathy for, for, for months. I, I, I can't put an exact timeline except that, uh, you know, we're very committed to, to doing this as fast as we can. And, you know, families like uh, Toba and, and Noah's family are, are what motivate myself and my team to do this as fast as possible. I mean, we want to do something that will impact Ethan's life, not something that's going to impact future generations, which I know I think is something that both Toba and Noah would, would want to support. So going forward, what is the prognosis for Ethan uh, in terms of what do you foresee? Well, our understanding is uh, from Dr. Daly and, and Ethan's medical team that this isn't a progressive disorder. And so his tone, which is sort of the, the greatest, the most impacted part of, of his existence is his muscle tone. And it is what it is. It's not going to change. But he can amass more muscle as he grows and he can strengthen the muscles that exist. You know, as long as we can keep him moving and he does physiotherapy four times a week and we can keep him sort of engaged uh, there's no reason why he can't have a, a totally sort of typical, if you will, uh, lifestyle. His, his, also, his brain is totally unaffected by the disorder. And so cognitively, he's, uh, I would even say he's a bit of a smarty pants. He has, he has uh, 50 ASL signs and uh, he can communicate really effectively with those signs. Um, and so we're hoping that between sign language and, and continuous work on sort of oral motor skills, that he will be able to speak. Um, but, you know, his, his father and I are both lawyers and uh, we type a lot for our, for a living. So you know, there's no reason that Ethan couldn't turn his brain to, to a profession in the future where maybe he didn't have to, to walk and talk, but could use his brain in other very effective ways. And so in terms of what you hope this podcast, this interview does, um, aside from, of course, adding to the till, yeah, I mean, I think there, to, to your point, Ellen, earlier, I think there's an opportunity here to create a, a tremendous amount of awareness around the, the existence of this disorder and its prevalence in the Ashkenazi community. I think that, you know, having Dr. Dowling lend his voice to uh, a suggestion that this perhaps be integrated into the panel uh, for Ashkenazi testing, I think that's a, a massive opportunity that can be brought forward, you know, in time to the ministry, et cetera, and, and hopefully be, um, you know, maybe my next project, uh, something to push forward. Well, I really appreciate you both uh, spending the time and uh, letting our audience know uh, more about this disease. And uh, we'll put all the links to everything in our Thank show you. notes so that they can learn more and also to donate. Dr. Dowling and Toba, thank you very much for being on the CJN Daily. Thank, thank you. you for having us. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Judy Weinberg of Toronto. She wrote in to share a lovely encounter she recently had with some yeshiva students who helped her reunite with a memorial plaque honoring her late grandfather. We'll bring you that story in the coming days. Thanks for listening. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.